Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, challenging us all to let ourselves feel, and most importantly, to feel with Jesus seeking Him in our pain, trusting Him to hold us through it, and following His lead in our healing journeys, as hard and frightening as that might be. And for those who have experienced significant loss, to give yourself permission to grieve. I brought a friend and ministry partner on today, Shaka Hines, a woman who unfortunately is well acquainted with deep, deep grief. And she's just recently, in the past six months or so, begun to come up for air. Shaka is a gifted author and a speaker with Holy Love Ministries. She's a wife and mother of five who is intimately familiar with God's love and faithfulness during times of struggle. The loss of her 11-year-old son in 2018 served to increase her heart for encouraging and mentoring women facing hardships in their lives. She's active in her local church. She serves as a MOPS mentor and is eager to glorify God with her writing. Find her at shakahines.com. Shaka, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Can you just start telling us a little about your son? All right. Well, Landon was born with a heart condition. And at four days old, he had a pacemaker placed. At seven months old, he had his first defibrillator placed. And he was such a severe case of long QT, which was the condition he had, that by the time he died, he was on his fifth or sixth defibrillator because he would shock so much that he would burn through the batteries. So Landon, when he was 11, God decided Um, for his own reasons that I don't know, that it was enough. And he called him home. And that was three years ago in June. That was a really hard journey for you. It was tough. Uh, Landon and I basically did life together. When he was in the hospital, I was there. As a matter of fact, I would say that my whole job, and this is what I used to tell people, is to keep my son alive. So I stayed at home instead of, I'm trained as an attorney, But I ended up staying home with him because I needed to be available if the public school called me. Like once his kindergarten teacher called, he had shocked in class. She was running down the hallway carrying his body. And I had to call and get the ambulance and go meet them at the hospital. So I had to be around just in case anything happened. So it was truly a struggle for Landon and for myself. It was so hard to watch him go through it. And I can't imagine how he did it. He really was a champ, a good amount of time. He just pushed through. He was a a great joy. So I actually, I had him in class for a bit and I was like, yes, he was. He always had this smile with the dimples. Yes. He had the biggest (laughs) smile, would light up the room. It was, it was beautiful. And so I know you and I had talked when you were kind of unpacking some of your grief. You didn't just deal with grief. You dealt with all the trauma of every time you saw your son die. Yes. 
Every time he had a surgery, every time there was a problem with the surgery. I mean, you probably experienced more trauma in his life than most mothers do ever 20 times over. And I think that the trauma, when people experience trauma, it's that's the harder part to get over. That's the part that kind of impresses itself on you. And that's like that you have flashbacks or at nighttime when things are dark and your brain's like a dark screen, suddenly that's, that's what you think about, or you get all these triggers. And I think the trauma was one of the reasons I got so mad at God. I was so upset that, okay, if I had to lose my son, why aren't you showing up to make this better? Why do I have to experience so much after he's already gone? Why isn't this easier with my faith? I have faith, God. I'm trying to apply it to the situation. Why Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you answering me in the middle of the night when I'm crying out to you? Why does it feel like there's so much silence? And I do. I think that trauma and having to deal with even not just the loss, which was horrible enough, but having to relive it all the time, that was And that still is a challenge. And so you wrestled with God a lot. I did. I wrestled with God. From the beginning, I used to tell my kids when Landon would be taken away in the ambulance, which happened a few times, I would say to the kids at home, you know, God is good no matter what happens. Because I wanted that to be our mindset. I wanted us, even if Landon didn't come home, I wanted us to not assume, oh, well, God wasn't good, because I hear it so much. People will say, God's so good. When they God answers a prayer, he says yes to them in some way. And I think, oh, but God was still good before he said yes to you. He's good even when he says no to you. You know, that God, the nature of God, his goodness, it, it doesn't change because our circumstances might change. So it really helped me to have that mindset from the beginning. And the one of the things that I did wrestle to the ground was the idea that this, because people will also say things like, oh, well, God needed another angel. This was God's, you know, God's will, you know, and God, and they'll throw pat answers at you. And I'm like, no, I, I wrestled with, I'm like, I know that um, in the beginning, death wasn't a thing. God didn't create us us to die. We were created to exist with him in paradise forever. That's the way we were made. Death was a consequence of the fall in the garden. You know, it was not God's desire from the beginning um, for us to experience death. We're not even made to experience it without him. Honestly, I wonder how people do it who don't have him to lean on. Because I think, oh, then the tragedy of that is just compounded. When you don't, you can't turn to God and go, but he's going to make it okay. He's going to undo this in the end. You know, death won't have a hold on us for very long. What it points me to is because God loved us so much that he had a plan of redemption. He knew what we were going to do. He had a plan of redemption, a plan of reconciliation, a plan to right all the wrongs, a plan to bring justice out of everything. And so now I'm like, because God is good you know, he did not, doesn't allow us to stay like this. He has an even better plan than now. I think sometimes in those of us who are in the United States, 
we put a very westernized view on Christianity. And when I look through all the scriptures, they're all, the hope they talk about is always the hope of the resurrection. Yes, it is. Because they were going through hard, if their hope was in that day, like Paul said, then we should be pitied more than right. all men. And I think for those of who maybe kind of have, I would say maybe confused theology where they don't understand where our true hope lies, I think it can be harder to unpack the grief because it can be confusing. Right. I think it's harder for us um, in Western society because we're not used to being uncomfortable, not just not used to struggling, but if you're uncomfortable, something's wrong. You know, so to talk about, then you add something like grief, the loss of a child to that. And that is truly like, what? This isn't supposed to happen if, you know, in a society where we can fix everything. I just think that there's a wisdom that people have gained in other places where there's hardship. There's, it's not like, oh, you're not spiritual or faithful because you're enduring hardship. They just understand it's a part of life. This is the fall. This is, you know, the earth struggling, you know, almost struggling against us. This is what happened after the garden. Of course, you know, Jesus promises in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think, yeah, And so we um, Westerners, we do put an added burden on grief sometimes because it will know that, okay, I didn't do anything maybe to cause this. But then inside, we're, we're trying to take the blame in a way like I must not have I must not be spiritual enough. I must not be good enough. I I mean, this wouldn't have happened if A, B and C or I would feel better about this if I had more faith or I just think we put this burden instead of going, oh, no, hardship happens to everybody. Struggle will come. It just like I said, it's a part of life. And um, I think it's just it's important to know then how to deal with the struggle when it comes. And that's what you were talking about. You look to the hope that is in Jesus, because honestly, there is nothing in this whole world that can make up for the loss of Landon. There is, there's nothing anybody could offer me, nothing that, nothing that would make it better over here. You know, there's nothing. There's only Jesus and um, the promises that he gave. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. As you were grieving, you radiated the gospel. And I'm going to explain why. You were so authentic and honest. You were not afraid. So I hope maybe you can on your website or something, if you could ever find those old old Facebook posts of just when you were walking through your grief, 
because you were authentic with how you were feeling. And I have to believe that helped you heal and not become bitter because I think it's so damaging when we, whether it's because we've been given messages, you shouldn't hurt. You shouldn't be, don't be angry at God or, or don't question God. And whether we've been told that outright or we've just absorbed it in our feel good culture. And I think that can be the most damaging to a soul really and to the relationship with God. I agree. And I think that the authenticity. I feel like I'm just always a minister, you know, and I'm, I can't help but be authentic. So it's not a thing I would pat myself on the back for or want anybody to, it's just the way God made me, you know, just like he made you to have lots of energy. (laughs) He made me to, I can't help but be real. You know, it's just a, I don't know if you'd even call it a gifting. So it's a character trait, but in that I did, it did help me with authenticity, like to the authenticity did challenge me to keep looking for God in the middle of it, you know, and to keep, uh, since I feel like, okay, I am a minister and whatever I do. And right now, all I have is this ministry of grief. And from the beginning, I decided I'm just going to be transparent, you know, and transparent didn't mean always it didn't mean despondent or, you know, I'm just going to, oh, like whatever. I'm just going to give expression and everything to all of my feelings, you know, because I think it's really important to point out that our feelings are valid because there are feelings, but they do not equate to truth. And so you have to temper that those feelings with the truth. And the only truth I have found is in the word of God you know, as being able to stand on his promises. And when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, you know, I'm like, okay, Jesus, that means if you live and you promise, you said, if there, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I've I've told you, (laughs) I'm going to do it. You know, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And I'm like, so if Jesus lives, Landon lives. So either Jesus lied or Jesus told me the truth. I believe with all my heart, Jesus told me the truth. And so Jesus lives, that means land and lives. And so my feelings come up, but I have to temper them with the truth because the truth I can stand on. In Job, he ended up like uh, being challenged. He lost, golly, what was it? Was it seven children? All his children. He lost all of his children and there were many of them. He lost his his um, livelihood, you know, he lost his property. He lost everything except his wife. And his wife was telling him, curse God and die. She was done. Then even his body was under attack. And Job went through extreme distress. And in Job's um, sorrow and in his hardship, I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what Job must have felt. But he complained to God. His, his soul was on fire. He hurt. He and, cursed his day of oh, birth. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah, he did. And he took it all to God. And I feel like that's the thing. In the middle of all of these, like you're going to feel so many things. Be like Job, because in the end of Job, God commends Job as one who spoke of God what was right, as opposed to Job's friends. Job's friends kept trying to convince him that this happened to you because you did wrong. 
you sinned in some way, shape, or form that all of these bad things happen. And Job's like, but I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. And God like actually rebukes the friends at the end and he tells Job, pray for them, you know, so that they'll be forgiven. But he says, Job spoke to of me what was right. And Job had lodged all of these complaints. Job was real and God commended him for it. And so I think like it is so okay to feel because you can't help what you feel, but take it to God, you know, take it to God and temper it with truth. Force yourself to listen to the truth. So you round yourself with people who tell the truth, like bask in it, you know, because the truth will seriously set you free and not in a, a strange way. The truth will like, like I said, because of what Jesus said, I know that Landon is okay. And that is what gives me the hope, you know, to keep going during the darkest times. And I know when, when you were just in your, just in the throes of grief, like when it was really, really intense, I know you struggled with, and I think maybe you can even share, I think maybe you were even told this on occasion, but struggling with that you weren't a good enough Christian. Well, I once, um, I had someone admonish me because I was angry at God. Once in a Bible study, I had said, guys, pray for me. I am so mad at God. And I had someone, um, a Christian, uh, just tell me, you said you were mad at God. You were, and I, I was like, well, what is that to you? I mean, I ended up having to apologize because I yelled and he's an older gentleman and I yelled at him and I was disrespectful. And he, but he was telling me, you know, that I was sinning because, basically because I was mad at God. And I'm like, that is really hard. I'm a strong-willed person, you know, and I have a pretty good, I'm not going to say, ooh, I have all the answers in the Bible, but I've been studying the Bible for um, over 30 years now. And so I have a really good foundation, but I think, oh, what does that do to somebody who really doesn't know like the truth of God or they don't trust God the way that I did that kind of talk or that kind of like, um, just, I don't know, misuse of, you know, our Christianity could really hurt somebody's faith that you can't be real. You can't be mad. You're not supposed to feel. And what I do know though, is that Jesus is the one who I emulate. He's the one that gave me the courage to be okay because I ended up telling this person, what is it to you? Why would it's between me and my God? And I know my God loves me. I absolutely, I don't even, he loves me and he is big enough. He can handle it. He can handle my truth. And you think about um, Jesus when Lazarus died. If some of you don't know the story, um, Lazarus, uh, his sisters were Mary and Martha and they tried to call Jesus before Lazarus died. And Jesus, I mean, they didn't call him on the phone. You know, Jesus is in another town and they were like, Jesus, come back. And Jesus waited, you know, and came back. It was like four days. He's already been in the tomb for four days. And he finally came back and they said, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And there was a point where Jesus um, he sees the people weeping and he sees the, he sees his sisters weeping, the Jews weeping. And the Bible says that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And what I learned about that is that Jesus deeply moved in spirit and troubled is that I don't know how to say, you know, the Greek word cor correctly, 
but it's um, embrimastai, uh, sorry, And what that means is to snort like a horse. That's like the literal translation. And that means Jesus was so angry. It was like he snorted like a horse. I mean, I don't know if you've ever just kind of almost groaned in your spirit. You've been so anguished. And this was Jesus. It's funny, like a side note, we often think that we would be okay if we knew the why. Why would God do that? Why? What was the purpose in that happening? So if we knew that, we think we would be fine. God, I could handle this so much better. I wouldn't grieve this much. And then we think, oh, but if I had the power to change it, I wouldn't, God, then I'd be okay. I wouldn't grieve this much. And look at Jesus. He's here. Lazarus has died. And Jesus is about to raise him from the dead. Jesus knows it. Jesus had even said, I'm glad to his disciples. He said, I'm glad I wasn't there, you know, so God can be glorified in this. He knew why this had happened and he knew what he was about to do. And still at this moment, Jesus is so angry that he cries. And it, and I had read Jesus wasn't so much sad at the scene surrounding the tomb of Lazarus. It's more accurate to say that Jesus was angry. He was angry and troubled at the destruction and power of the great enemy of humanity, death. And in that, that gives me courage to be authentic. That was such a beautiful example of perfect sinless Son of God, having intense emotions. And and I think when we look through scripture, Mm -hmm. some of the really powerful men of God, so intensely close with him, they express some pretty strong emotions to him. Pretty strong, like, I'm mad at you. I don't understand. Why did you do this? You turned your hand against me. Right. Wasn't Jeremiah the weeping prophet? (laughs) <laughs> what to be known as a oh, poor Jeremiah. I'm sure God is more than made up and up to him in heaven. Um, but Jeremiah, well, there was a time he went before God in Jeremiah 15. And this was also a scripture. I was quite probably overly excited to read in the middle of my anger because it was just another place, um, another example where oh, this guy gets it. And God didn't like strike him down when he was honest with God. Not only was he honest, but he was like untruthful with God. Like he, he can, he like said to God, you are like a liar. Basically you are not faithful. And I'm like, Ooh, you could, you attack the character of God. That's huge. And yet God didn't strike him down. I mean, God did, you know, admonish him, but because Oh, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, um, verse 15, he says, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your name. And he talks about how God, uh, your words were my delight. I ate them up when you brought them to me. I never sat in the company of revelers. I never made merry with God. I did what was right. I did what was right. And all of this still happened to me. And he says to God in verse 18, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. And can you imagine like your hair blown back? Like, oh, you know, you step away from Jeremiah because (laughs) what is God going to do with this? But Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who knew the words of God and would hear from God, this is what he said to God. And God did say, this is what the Lord says, if you repent, I will restore you that you serve me. If you utter worthy 
and not worthless words. You'll be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. And I just think that is so awesome. So Jeremiah says, God, you lied to me. You are a deceptive brook. God, you failed me. You are a spring that fails. And God said, look, first off, we got to get straight. You got to speak to me worthy and not worthless words. You know, you got to change the way you're talking about me. And I honestly, I don't believe God said that because God needs for Jeremiah to, hey, don't say that kind of thing. That'll make me insecure. No, but Jeremiah had to know the truth about God. He had to remind him for Jeremiah's sake. He had to remind him, no, I am faithful. I am faithful. My my words, my plans, my promises, they never fail. You know, and I will always tell you the truth. Always. I am the truth. Jeremiah had to know these things. Otherwise, he wouldn't survive. His eternal salvation would be at stake, you know. So God is like, no, you have to know these things. But in the end, God was like, I'm going to make you like bronze. You, nothing will overcome you. And in the end, I will rescue you. This was God's response. I am with you and you, and I will rescue you. I will save you. You will not be overcome. And I think this is in the Bible. This is what my Bible tells me. You take it to God. You be honest with God. You emulate Jesus in grief and God will meet you in that place. And when you need to repent, God will let you know. You know what I mean? I'm like, don't e- people don't even have to let you know. God will. He will speak to you. God will help straighten out your thinking if he needs to. He will help straighten out your heart and the misunderstandings about God's character. But in the end, God is like, I will rescue you. I am close to the brokenhearted. I rescue those who are broken in spirit. You know, I'm like, that that's the God that we serve. You can trust him with your deepest feelings and emotions and God will be okay with that. And not only will God be okay with that, but even if it takes a lifetime to get there. I think sometimes we want to put a time limit right. on grief and there's some grief that you probably this side of heaven. Uh, and honestly, Shaka, I, I don't know if I, I, I told Steve, I'm like, if something happened to Ashley, I would never leave my room. Ever. And I and I podcast and write for Jesus. But I'm just saying I really don't think I would ever be able to and I and I I hope that's not wrong to say. It's just there's some grief that is and I think Jesus would be with me in that. Mm-hmm. If I said, Lord, I'm in my room, and because Jeremiah at a time he said, Lord, I can't do this anymore, take me home. And God's mm-hmm. like, Okay, I've got a I've got a replacement for you. Come home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think and I've heard that from women. Right. I should be better. I should be over this by now. And so maybe just kind of speak to that. God will meet you where you are. God, I think we put the pressure on each other and we put the pressure on ourselves. I don't know what a normal is supposed to look like, even a new normal. Um, So I don't know where somebody's supposed to be. You know, I'm like, only God knows. Only he's the sovereign one who can tell you exactly what it's supposed to look like. You know, but I do believe God, that if you continue to go to God, you continue to follow God, God will lead you, even if it's in your bedroom. Even if like, okay, this is what she can handle. I'm gonna hold her here. You need to let God guide you because we can really do some damage 
to ourselves when we don't allow God to take the lead and we try to run where he hasn't called us and run ahead of him. We just don't do it. I've done it too many times and it just leads to more damage, more brokenness and more healing that God has to do. I actually remember that. I don't know if you remember, we were talking on the phone and you said you were afraid that you wouldn't come back. Right. And valid fear. Grief changes you in ways that you don't even know unless you experience it. And I'm sure it would be different if I lost a different child. Honestly, I'm like, I think it would be different every time I was uh, forced to grieve. So I didn't have any idea um, because I was a caregiver for 12 years. Landon made up a huge part of my identity. Taking care of him gave my life value. Keep getting this boy to an adult. That was my goal. I was like, I am going to follow God in this. And this boy is going to be the one that shines. He is going to tell everybody about God's goodness. Someday we're going to sit and laugh about like this. I would encourage myself. We are going to laugh about how hard this was, but God brought us through everything. And when Landon died, then it totally changed because I had somewhere along the way start to build my, my identity, my everything on that, that God is going to do this. This is what he's doing it for. And it's so that Landon someday is going to tell everybody about God. And how God is faithful. God took Landon home and that wasn't. And then suddenly, not only was I not, did I not know I was unmoored. I didn't know what I was doing. I know I was almost purposeless because I I wasn't a caregiver anymore. And I know some of you are caregivers and it's, and, and, or you've lost somebody you've taken care of for a long time. And boy, is that a hard thing to come back from. Because necessarily, you start your whole life starts kind of revolving around this because they need you and they you have to. But then, when um, if God has called them away, they've they've died, they've gone on. It's it's hard to come back, and so that changes you. But also, just the grief itself changes you. I, I'm still not the same. I will never be the same Shaka that I was before. And there are some parts that I have to say goodbye to. There are some parts that I hope God will return. It's not an unfiltered kind of joy anymore. It's really a sober joy that I have now. But I do have joy. It's just a lot sober. I feel a lot older in my spirit. And at some point, you have to accept the change. And it is a loss. It's another step in that grieving but at a certain point, you got to accept the change because I believe that if you try to force yourself back into who you were, you can't. <laughs> you can't. That love for your lost one is not going to ever disappear. Well, with that, would you actually just pray for our listeners? Yes. Father, we just come before you really humbly because you are God. You are the one that uh, we need. You know how the story ends. You know what's going on. It is, and yet God, at the same time, you see us in our pain. You see us in our struggles. You see us, God, um, utterly unable to save ourselves, to rescue ourselves, um, even from our grief, unable to lift ourselves up. You see it, God, and you care so much about us. 
Thank you, Lord, that you love us. I pray that whoever hears my voice, God, that you would meet them where they're at, that you would help them to know that they are enough because you have no needs that they need to be meeting. God, you just desire for them to know and experience your all-consuming, all-pervasive, incorruptible love. We love you, God. I love you so much. Thank you for what you have done. Through Landon's life, even now, he may not testify himself about how good you are, but his life still cries, God is good. And I pray that people can hear that, you know, from Landon's little life and what you continue to do through it and around it. You are so good. Lord, I pray that everyone who hears my voice right now would experience your goodness. Love you, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for just sharing your heart and your journey with us. And if you do want to reach out to Shaka, because she's actually a phenomenally gifted speaker. (laughs) So we'll put her information in the show notes, her website in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to rate it. That encourages us and it helps others to find it. Share it with your friends, especially someone who maybe is grieving. And I would say for all of us who have friends who are grieving just let them grieve you don't have to be the one to fix or to teach them and until next time may you live as one who truly has been set free hey everyone thanks for listening to faith over fear a production of life audio and the salem web network if you enjoyed what you heard today we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.